This week on Emerge Mobile First, a conversation with Ken Heron, Chief Marketing Officer at Unified Inbox. I think it comes down to being a teacher that I find myself taking the role of educator more often than not, whether it's with my own team or with others, simply because things are changing so quickly. And I think it's human nature that we all struggle with that. Welcome to Mobile First. You'll find bonus tools, expanded information, and key takeaways on our website, EmergeMobileFirst.com. For a quick and effective way to level up your mobile strategy, again, that's EmergeMobileFirst.com. In this episode, we explored how Unified Inbox is making its content accessible to as many markets as possible and the processes that they have in place to ensure they are keeping up with trends. Plus a bonus from Ken himself, an interactive behind-the-scenes demo of a virtual smart home where you can actually use one of your personal apps to interact with the demo. I used it. It's awesome. You can use Twitter. You can use your text message app. Uh, really cool experience worth checking out, uh, but you have to listen to gain access. Ken Heron is a global marketing alchemist. He unleashes people's creativity to use technology to develop stronger emotional connections between companies and their customers to drive revenue and market share. A graduate of Stanford Graduate School of Business Marketing Management program, Ken earned his master's degree in international management from the Thunderbird School of Global Management and his bachelor's degree in international economics and German from Drew University. Ranked number two chief marketing officer on Twitter worldwide by Social Media Marketing Magazine, Ken is a frequent author and popular speaker on leveraging technology for marketing and leading practices to engage enterprise and consumer brands, customers online. Ken, thanks for joining us. I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So Ken, as I pointed out in our pre-show chat, you know, I'm also a serial entrepreneur, passionate about digging into how and why things work and finding ways to, to really simplify them. So uh, I'm curious, you know, what are you passionate about and, and why do you do what you do? I think it comes down to being a teacher that I find myself taking the role of educator more often than not, whether it's with my own team or with others, simply because things are changing so quickly. And I think it's human nature that we all struggle with that to a certain degree. So helping people to put the pieces together and have those aha moments for themselves, because you can't necessarily give someone the aha moment, but you can help them to get to the place where it can happen. I think that's where I find find my energy. So what do you think inspired that? Was it something about your upbringing? Is it something about you know your education path? Or I guess what really uh, inspired that in you? Probably all of the above. Uh, growing up, I was the typical little corporate brat. So dad moved around the, the country a number of times. So I think being forced into new situations forces you to break those habits and Maybe starting, you know, younger than is comfortable, figuring out what do you want your habits to be? Because every time you move, it's like starting from scratch. You get to reinvent yourself and figure out who you want to be. You're, you're no longer stuck with the friends you've had forever or stuck with the room you've had forever. You get to be a little more conscious and proactive and who do I want to be? What do I want to do? And it also gives you that you know, when you're seven and eight years old, it gives you that safe space to play around and figure out who you are and what really energizes you. So is that something that was, you know, kind of intuitive for you or was that kind of challenging having to, to do that every single time? 
I am certain going through it, it was not a whole lot of fun. It was not very challenging. But when I first went outside the U.S. for the first time, I found that the people I was traveling with really struggled with pretty much everything, where because I had been dumped into different places, you know, big towns, small towns, different parts of the country, for me, it was not this huge emotional breakdown. It's like, okay, here's what we need to do. Let's figure it out and have at it. If anything, it was more energizing. And that's how I realized, you know, as, as a little kid, you know, how are you different from your peers? The idea of being energized by that change, not in terms of constant, unrelenting, horrific change, but the idea of finding great satisfaction in figuring it out, in solving, you know, like the Hardy Boys, you know, solving the mystery was all the fun. So if there's no mystery, if there's no challenge, I often joke with people that when you travel internationally, it's the first 24 hours that you have the most learning because you notice everything. Everything is new. Everything is different. That's the period of time to question and to ask and where all the learning is. It's no different than when you change apartments and you don't know anything. The neighbors will be very nice and will answer all of your questions. Once you've lived there for six years, if you don't know what day the garbage is, they just kind of shake their head and say, oh, that's sad. That's sad. <laughs> so it's really when you were first new to environment to be aware of the disorientation and the, the feeling like crud and all the rest, but to push through it and to really use that opportunity to find out as much as you can, because it's not just, okay, you know, where's the nearest supermarket, but why do you stand in line and pay separately for the vegetables and then check out with everything else? It's a lot of these cultural issues that people aren't even aware they're doing anymore, but really do help you to understand you know, the history and the culture of a place as much as the language itself. That's really interesting. And I, I wanted to dig into your history and the path that you took to get to where you are. And you know, looking in your LinkedIn profile, you have done a lot. You know, you've jumped around to a lot of different companies and ventures and opportunities. and um, But it, it all makes sense to where you are now. But I, I think in you talking about being energized by that change, that maybe is is why or, you know, relays to some understanding of, of why you've gone through these different places. Can you maybe walk through some of the, the personal growth and learning that you've had along the way and, you know, the different things that you've been a part of? I think it was realizing that it was more fun to be in a position where you could affect change. When I first started, I worked for very large corporations, very large businesses, and felt as if I had a very, very small impact. So I realized that the smaller the organization, the greater the responsibility, the greater authority, the greater the impact I could have on the business and on the people I worked with. So I'm certain that was part of it as well. And to be honest, looking back, uh, I started my career in marketing. I'm still in marketing, so you could say I haven't really advanced very far. But I look at the resources and what it took, something as simple as a presentation. You know, I remember one of the very first things I did, I was the guy who wrote the presentation for the, the VP. And I look at the time that was taken. I look at the tools that were used and arguably, you know, the end product, what it looked like. And I found one of them the other day and I was thinking... This presentation took weeks to pull together. And it was a big presentation, industry event, keynote thing. It took weeks of working with designers and artists and typesetters and all the rest of it. And I'm thinking, I did one of those this morning in 20 minutes. 
and it's still a keynote presentation, you know, same audience, global conference, the whole bit. But the tools we now have available to us, and you could say the bar has been raised from a design perspective, you know, what we used to be able to put out there, people would just laugh you off the stage at this point. But I don't have a design staff for the presentations I give. I don't have someone, an assistant who does it for me. I don't handwrite it out and then it's handed off to a team of people to put together. I do it myself. And well, on some busy days, you think, okay, it might be nice to have the luxury of all of those levels and layers of management. There's something very empowering about when you have an idea, you can not just communicate it and publish it directly, but you can make it look pretty darn good in the process, equal to, if not better, than what a lot of other people are using because you understand how to take advantage of the different tools that are available to you. Interesting. So would you say, I mean... Going that route is more advantageous than than looping in a couple designers? Depends on the person. Okay, okay. If you are a person who is energized by the act of creation, as many marketers are, you know, whether we're any good at it or not, we tend to have a creative bent, whether it's for writing or image or video. So the ability to be able, uh, I equate it, there is nothing wrong with going to a restaurant and having a wonderful meal. But there's a different sense for some people when you have the ability to think up, cook, and do your own meal and do your own cooking. Mm. So it's not that one is better than the other, but I feel a different sense of satisfaction. It wouldn't be my presentation. And because things are often changing on the fly and you've been told you'll have 30 minutes and you end up having seven minutes. I think back to when the, quote, executive was given this nice, shiny presentation, they were a little less fluent because they weren't the ones that created the thought, that created the logic, that created the rhythm for it. Because it is, in many cases, all us, we may not enjoy the grunt work of arts and charts, or or we may be better or worse at it than others. The fact that it's all you, it rings true with a level of authenticity that it's going to be said in the way you want it said, in the language, in the tone, in the personality that you think is most effective that will best reach that particular audience. The point there is that things that would have taken an immense, almost laughable now point of time, thanks to technology, we can now do in many cases in minutes Mm. and reach significantly. You know, one example, I sent out a tweet this morning. I know how many people... It reached. I know how many people engaged with it. Those numbers rival traditional media outlets. And that's Ken sitting here at a desk sharing a thought. <laughs> that's pretty stunning stuff. Would you say it's better to get some because of the technology and the things that we have at our fingertips? Would you say it's better to get something out quicker and learn from it then, or to maybe loop in a couple of resources that could help potentially elevate the quality? Both. Uh, One is not an excuse for the other. You also have to, you know, going back a thousand years in school, you have to be very sensitive to perfect being the enemy of good enough. Because often when we communicate now, there is a timeliness manner to it. Mm -hmm. So is this, and, and a time, you know, I work on a billable hours basis. So is something worth 60 minutes of my time? Am I going to get the ROI in that investment in marketing or can I do it well in 15 minutes, 
because I'm probably not going to get four times the ROA if I spend four times the time on it. Mm. It is what it is. Maybe it's 10% better, 15% better. And that doesn't say you don't spell check, you don't review, you don't proof, you don't get a second set of eyes. But to be honest, you have to be very realistic. What I do is not fine art, it's commercial art. It's, you know, it's the factory. Do it, get a result, go on and do the next one. There's not the luxury to linger over it. Now, it's very different if you're doing personal writing, if you're, you're doing something on your own, but when it's, you're on the clock and someone else is paying for that time, you're always very sensitive. What is the value I'm getting out of every minute that I'm investing? This is a really interesting perspective and a unified inbox. I think this, this correlates very nicely with the outcome that Unified Inbox provides its users. So uh, with, that, with that segue, would you mind digging in and explaining uh, what Unified Inbox is, you know, its various products, and maybe how they all work together to create this experience? So you're asking a marketer if he wants to talk about the products and services his company sells? Oh, twist my arm, Jordan. <laughs> Unified Inbox is an intelligent IoT messaging company. And you're like, okay, that's a lot of pretty words. I think maybe I understand them, but it's very simple. We make technologies that make messaging your products as easy as messaging your friends. For example, you have a fancy Wi-Fi connected thermostat. Right now you use an app to control it. It works very, very well. Well, what if you had a dozen such devices in your connected smart home? Do you really want a dozen different apps? All the research says, no, no, thank you. That's overkill, information overload, not interested. Our technology allows you to control that thermostat, that refrigerator, TV, car, locks, lights, music, all of it by simply messaging on the channels that you choose to use without the need for a separate app. And as anyone who, you know, if you're at home and you're looking at your kitchen, my oven is made by a different manufacturer than my dishwasher, than my refrigerator, than my garbage disposal. Well, that would mean separate apps for every single product in my kitchen, in my home, in my garage. Now I just need one. And that's Unification Engine, which is what we call our platform. So what's, what's setting something like that up from a user standpoint? Because it seems like to end it with all those integrations, it could get somewhat complicated. What, what does that look like? Actually, that is part of our advantage is the setup and to making it work. A product, first of all, has to be UE ready, as we call it. It has to be compatible or powered by our system so that when you are buying your next air conditioner, you will look for the little symbol on it that says it is UE ready and enables you to be able to control it with a simple message. Gotcha. Okay. So would you say that's maybe one of the bigger hurdles to your ability to scale is having things that are UE ready or have you been able to, you know, puncture the market enough to where it's more of an awareness thing? It's an awareness thing. We are a smaller company. We don't have 20,000 salespeople. So we work with different types of partners. But once you see the technology in action that you can control a product remotely, that you can get alerts and notifications from a product. I'll give you a, an example. Uh, Bosch makes a very brilliant, smart camera. I happen to be in Dubai. It's a huge shopping mall, 8,000 parking spaces. The number one problem in terms of, quote, security, and Dubai does not have issues with security, they have issues with losing your car in an 8,000 space parking garage at a mall. 
that's a big issue. You know, when you've got screaming children and you can't find the car, so you have to wait till everyone pulls out. Big inconvenience, big expense for everybody. Not the way you want to end your your vacation or end the day out shopping. You can now message the boss security camera because it looks at your license plate as you drive in. You can say, okay, where did I park? And it will message you back. Here you are. Here's the closest path to your car. Oh, and here's a coupon for an ice cream. Sorry, you had a bad day. (laughs) That's pretty brilliant. Anyone who has lost a white Hertz rental car that looks like every other white Hertz rental car and you couldn't even tell someone what make of car it is, that really does save your day. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's the, the other cool examples that I can, you know, making an espresso. You know, it, it takes a little bit of time, so I can message the coffee maker and it will make a coffee for me. That's also a nice party trick because I can post it on Facebook. Again, doesn't matter what the communications channel is and show off to my friends or have it auto post when I run every morning or when I work out to share my metrics, share the analytics for training for an upcoming event. So you mentioned it's an awareness thing. Is it is it more so awareness for the business to facilitate these use cases or on the consumer to understand how it can be uh, consumed? It's both. It's the usual push-pull that businesses will do it uh, for cost savings. Businesses will do it because their business is not making apps, so they really want to focus on air conditioners and washing machines and industrial water pumps and all the rest. But there's also some consumer pull for it that we are just now getting into a point where people are having multiple smart connected devices. The more devices they have, the more appealing it is. You mean I don't need any apps to control all this nonsense? I can just message it in natural language? That's pretty cool stuff. Gotcha. So maybe it's when you say awareness, it's not not even necessarily they don't know about Unified Inbox. It's they don't necessarily know the technology exists. Are you noticing an education hurdle that you have to overcome? I wouldn't call it a hurdle. I would call it there's a lot of education. I spend most of my day helping people to understand both the Internet of Things, you know, IoT, Mm -hmm. but also to understand how that can help their business, whether it is a product they sell or whether it's a product they use for themselves. There are three big areas. There's smart home, all of the wonderful appliances and electronics. There is the smart industry or smart factory, all of the industrial machines that are now smart and talking to each other and you want to be able to talk to humans without taking over the world. And there's also smart city that when you have traffic lights optimized and the waste bins can tell the the garbage people, hey, I'm getting full, it's time to, to drive by and empty me, you're creating a much better quality of life for people, but you're also saving a ridiculous ridiculous amount of money. There are so many cities we work with that have gone to smart trash bins. And if you no longer need to have people driving by empty bins or bins that don't need to be emptied, and you have half the staff, because now you only worry about emptying a bin that is actually full or becoming full, not only do you have less overflowing trash bins, but you're spending a whole lot less money to maintain that operation. So I guess of the three home industry city, which one are you most interested in? Which one's most fun for you? Unfair question, but the one that it's hard not to get emotional about, there are a lot of places in the world that have very severe natural disasters, tsunamis, earthquakes, floods, famine, you know, the occasional locust and frog. Our technology allows you, because it communicates with all these different channels, that if you happen to be visiting Singapore and 
surprise, surprise, a tsunami is coming, they now have the ability using Unification Engine to communicate out on all of their different channels. So think of this, your government, you have hundreds of accounts on Facebook and Twitter and everything else. Well, now we can send out a message on every social network, every messaging and chat app. So it becomes ubiquitous, even to the town square, the, the monitors in the public transportation, even the ticker on the, the local news channels, that if you need a message to get out, this can be done universally and instantly. That's pretty powerful stuff. So any day you can say, oh, yeah, our product saves lives, that's a day where you sleep very well at night. Yeah, definitely. So with, um, I guess with, you know, everyone now, you're, you're able to reach everyone through these apps and on mobile devices. How are you continually evolving your thinking around mobile? What are some of the different things that you're, you're currently thinking of or that you're excited to implement in the future just based on user behavior or the way the technology is evolving? Probably the biggest one is that it used to be that mobile apps were the, the secondary that you would do the, the real technology and then you would worry about the mobile. And I found that to be completely reversed, that we now think mobile first and in many cases, mobile only. A simple example, we, a couple months ago, we re- redid our website. You know, it was looking a little bit old and dated. We wanted to refresh it. There was no doubt that it had to be, I wouldn't even say optimized. From the ground up, it was designed for a mobile experience. Oh, yeah, and some people may look at it from a, a desktop machine. Great. But when we look at our own analytics, we can see the trend month after month. An increasing number of people are visiting us, are connecting with us online through the mobile devices. And anyone who's on social media, when you look at the analytics, it tells you how people are connected. And again, overwhelmingly, it's from a mobile device. Was there anything unique or interesting that you didn't anticipate when looking into that mobile user behavior data? I am always surprised personally by the, because you look at where people are from, I am always stunned by the countries that pop up on the list. That you have the places in the world that you are targeting or you think are the primary areas of interest. And it just never ceases to amaze me that, you know, smaller countries that were not on your radar and the volume of people who are engaging with you from those countries, it's like, Okay, did not know that. But it really does make you think that how can you make sure, even if you don't have the budget to put everything in dozens of languages, how do you make sure your content is as accessible as possible to the widest number of people, realizing for many, many people, English is still a second language. So how do you make it crystal clear and help people to fully understand what it is your offer happens to be? I mean, this is something that a lot of organizations are experiencing with the increase in mobile traffic and the need to be more mobile first. And through your experience in becoming more mobile first, you know, making the the website mobile friendly, with the insights that you gain from that experience, how are you then able to continually keep up with uh, these trends? Because uh, as we were talking about, you know, before, things are just moving so fast and we have to, it's really hard to keep in touch and to not become a dinosaur, which can happen, you know, monthly as quick as monthly. Yes. Yes. What sort of process or system or or thing do you have in place to ensure that you can maintain that? Everyone does their own thing to deal with that. Uh, Even if that's hide your head in the sand and, you know, sing loudly and 
until it passes by and nobody ever asks you those uh, more than you would think. The way I keep my pencil sharp is I have a weekly radio show and I talk about the changes in technology, specifically for marketing. And I find that when you have to answer live questions and when you're put on the spot on Twitter once a week, that kind of forces you to keep up with things. So it sounds silly, but it wasn't that long ago where learning was formal learning that you actually went off to a conference or a class or some smart person taught you. I see that less and less that I don't have the luxury to go away for three days once a year or even twice a year, but it's critical to know what's happening. So you may laugh, but I follow the smartest people I can find on Twitter and I listen to their struggles, their solutions, what they have found, and you can learn so much in such a short amount of time. And there's great lists. Lists are the the great secret of Twitter. I, I create my own, but there are lists of, you know, the top 100 marketing professors, the top influencers in the internet of things, uh, the top influencers in artificial intelligence. By following and listening to smart people, you can learn an awful lot very quickly, whether it's your field and you should be one of those influencers if it's your domain, if it's your niche of expertise, but also listening on a global basis as well. Because my customers aren't just in the United States. Uh, My company happens to be based in Singapore. So we have a very global, very diverse mindset from the get-go. So it's not just listening to the voices I know or am familiar with, but it's especially important for me to listen to the voices I don't already know or I'm not already familiar with, to know what's going on. Okay, here's how you know the trend is happening in Europe, which is often at a different pace than in Asia or than in the Middle East. And of course, from a team perspective, all of our principles are in different continents. So that may make the travel bill a little higher. But in terms of the learning and the local audience knowledge that we bring, it is priceless in terms of its value. Love that. And I know you're going to have a, a ton of resources when we get to the Act 3 rapid fire question round. So I'm really excited to dig, dig in there. You know, to wrap this up, uh, Ken, what's the coolest thing that you're working on right now that you want everyone to check out or keep up to date with you on? Sure. The coolest thing right now, we have just put our unification engine project up on a live interactive website so everyone can play with it for themselves. Because it's very easy to tell people, hey, you can now talk to your air conditioner or your dishwasher. It's much different to show somebody than to tell them. So I would encourage people to go to demo, D-E-M-O, dot unifiedinbox.com. If you're prompted for a password, enter lowercase U-I-B for unified inbox, U-I-B for both the login and password. And of course, it's optimized for the Firefox browser. It works on others, but Anyone who's done browser optimization will tell you that that is a process, a journey in and of itself. But what that will take you into, we have a virtual kitchen, a virtual street scene, also a virtual factory that will let you go in, for example, to the virtual kitchen and message the dishwasher with your own cell phone on your own network. So if you want to DM it on Twitter, if you want to WhatsApp it, if you want to text message it, you literally sign up with your phone register your phone. It stays registered for 30 minutes, then it goes away and we promise not to sell or do anything with your phone number. But it allows you to go in and turn on devices, set the temperature, set the mode of the vacuum cleaner. It's real. It's not a simulation. It actually goes through our unification engine and shows you the power 
that, hey, I no longer need to download the app for my air conditioner, my dishwasher, my refrigerator. I simply message the product. That's so cool. So I will definitely link to this in the show notes section with that login and password. And thank you, Ken, for offering that up. I'll make sure that you can easily access that. And so everyone make sure to, to head over there and check out uh, this, this interactive experience. Uh, that's demo.unifiedinbox.com uh, to keep an eye on Unified Engine. And also make sure to tune in Friday to our rapid fire round with uh, Ken, where he'll be sharing some of these valuable resources, as he was mentioning. Uh, so yeah, so Ken, thanks uh, for joining us today. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on and, and to share you know, your insight and a lot of the resources and to give us a behind the scenes at Unified Inbox. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening. Make sure to join us next week where I sit down with CEO of Stroll Health, Jordan Epstein. And I'm always happy to be a resource in any way that I can. So visit EmergeMobileFirst.com to reach out to me directly or for additional insights, resources, and bonus tools that can help catapult your organization to the next level. Until next time, think mobile first.